This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, November 6th, 2011. Matthew 25, ready or not. Boy, that's pretty intense, isn't it? Yeah, the last question, are you? Are you ready? That's the question this morning. We're going to ask as we look at Matthew 25 today and for the next two weeks. Are you ready or not? Well, good morning, Connection Church. It is a wonderful um, pleasure to be with each one of you today as together we seek to connect people with Jesus and the life that he offers. We, uh, I'm Carrie Jones. Did I say that? Not yet. Okay, I'm Carrie Jones. (laughs) And I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you for today and all days. God, continue to work on our hearts. Open us up even more so that we might receive your word found in Scripture, a Scripture that um, is one to wrestle with, one to uh, explore, one that we don't look at very often. So help us uh, today as we're on a journey to take a look at being ready or not. We pray this in your most holy and awesome name. Amen. Amen. So today we focus on, um, on the first story that we find in Matthew 25. That, that's a chapter in Scripture, New Testament, first book of New Testament. has three stories. We're going to look at the first one. And this first story focuses on a wedding. <clears throat> now, Carrie and I know a little bit about weddings. Um, we've been to many. We've performed many, and we've planned and paid for three of them. (laughs) We're still on the recovery mode. (laughs) And what we find uh, uh, in the ones that we've been to, been a part of, officiated, and planned and paid for, uh, all of those, we found that um, it's absolutely crucial. The one aspect that's absolutely crucial is that date, that wedding date date, knowing the date and knowing it well in advance. All you who aren't married yet and have plans, make sure you set that date well in advance because everything else depends on that little piece of information. Okay, so our first experience with a wedding was almost seven years ago when Megan and Ted uh, were planning to get married. And that's and when we learned a lot. Of that's that. when we learned a lot, and then we just kicked it in gear the second two times. But anyway... Um, Megan and Ted planned a date that was well in advance, like a year plus. So we went across the street to the fire hall, beautiful place. It would have been nice and convenient. And don't you know, even a year in advance, every single weekend, 12 months, except for one, was already taken, like a year ahead. And that one was not one that we or apparently anybody else wanted (laughs) for their day. And you know, it's not only the reception hall. You got to know that date for the photographer and for the caterer and for the florist and lots of other things, but most especially, you got to know it for the church and the preacher. Because preachers can't do two weddings at once, can they? Can I get an amen? So if you want that church and that preacher, you better get on the calendar and you better get on there early or you're going to be OOL. Out of luck. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
That's an Alanism. O-O-L. We talk in those kind of lingo at our house. Welcome to the Jones family. O-O-L. All righty. So. W-E-1. What? No, don't go anywhere with, don't go any farther. Kyle, don't egg him on. Okay. All right. So, the date is important. In fact, it's so important that in our culture, normally we get, we used to get an invitation to the wedding. Now we get a save the date before the invitation to the wedding. Because we find ourselves having to plan so far in advance. Save the date so that when the invitation comes, it's like, oh, yeah, it's on there. Or, oh, yeah, I forgot to put it on the calendar. The date and the time. Our lives are so busy. If there's a 4 o'clock wedding, my guess is that all of us aren't just sitting in our chair waiting for 4 o'clock, but we have a full day up until 4 o'clock when we get to the wedding. Yeah. But you know, it hasn't always been that way. And um, even isn't, is not that way even today in some other cultures. In, in, in Palestine, for example, Bible scholar William Barclay shares how in, in his, one of his Bible commentaries, he shares the story of a, of a guy he met who described what he experienced in that culture. And this is what he said. He said, he said we were approaching, the, and this isn't thousands of years ago, this is fairly recently. We were approaching the gates of a Galilean town. I caught sight of ten maidens gaily clad and playing some kind of musical instrument as they danced along the road in front of our car when I asked what they were doing. I was told that they were going to keep the bride company till her bridegroom arrived. I asked if there was any chance of seeing the wedding, but was told it might be tonight, tomorrow night, or in two weeks' time. Nobody knows for certain. Then we were told that one of the great things to do, if you could, was to catch the bridal party napping. So the bridegroom comes unexpectedly and sometimes even in the middle of the night. Although it is required to send someone along the street shouting, Behold, the bridegroom's coming! But it may happen at any time. So the bridal party has to be ready at any time to go out into the street to meet him whether, whenever he chooses to come. In addition, no one is allowed on the streets after dark without a lighted lamp. Hmm. And one last thing. Boy, this is contrary to what we're used to. And one last thing. Once the bridegroom arrives and the door has been shut, latecomers to the ceremony are not admitted. Well, that's pretty different <coughs> from our culture. I guess that's why I'm not a Galilean, because just sitting waiting for the bridegroom, I mean, make up your mind, show up. Okay, but anyway, that's beside the point. Galilee's in northern Israel, and... This is not an ancient thing. This is the way, apparently, in one certain section of the country or a culture, they do business. The bottom line here is that they need to be prepared. They need to be ready. They need to be waiting. They need to be alert. A lot different than the way we do weddings here. Mm. Now, in Matthew 25, our scripture this morning, Jesus shares uh, three stories. In the first one, the one we'll focus on today, the next two we'll cover the next two weeks. In the first one we'll cover today, Jesus compares, you know, in Scripture, Jesus does a lot of comparing. He says, heaven is like. He like It's hard for us to gather what the whole thing, so he gives it kind of us in chunks. It's like, and he compares it in this case to, to the goings-on in one of those Palestinian weddings. So even though Kerry said it's still like this today, this, these, these customs go back thousands of years. 
Notice how closely it resembles the description that Barclay shared from his friend's experience. So here's what we read. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. Our focus is verses 1 through 13. If you have your PDAs, your smartphones, your iPads, your iPods, I'm going to think that you're looking at Scripture and not email. I do wonder sometimes when I look out. (laughs) But go ahead and turn them on if you have them and you want to follow along. The words are actually on the screen as well. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were (coughs) foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he said, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, so, you know, all this wedding information is really fascinating, I know. We we probably should have shown a clip from the wedding planner today, but... um, and this Palestinian weddings and how they compare with ours. But what's that have to do with us this morning, you know? Why are we taking our valuable Sunday worship and uh, Bible time here to look at weddings, especially weddings on the other side of the world? Well, as we said, Scripture, uh, this, this is a parable. Jesus often spoke in parables. He made comparison. He, a, a parable, uh, this one, in fact, called the parable of the ten virgins. It's a parable is, is a way of, of uh, just a simple story usually, not real complex, usually pretty simple, but in order to kind of share a bigger truth. It's usually, it's, it's not, uh, you know, in this story you wouldn't be able to name the ten virgins because it probably wasn't actually happening, but it's representative of those weddings. I mean, there were weddings just like this, and, and so it's compared, and Jesus uses this frequently in his teachings. So we have to take everything in the context, and so we need to backtrack a little bit to Matthew 24. It's the chapter that, you know, comes before 25, and we read, duh, and we read where Jesus left the temple after doing some teaching, and as he walked away, the disciples came up and called his attention to the temple buildings, and here's what Jesus says to him, to them. Do you see all these things? Jesus asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. 
As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so Jesus here talks of what is to come, looks at kind of looks at the end times, even end times, even when the temple will no longer be standing. And the disciples want to know, as many of us kind of would be curious about this, when? When will you bring an end to all this? When will you come? Obviously, he's there, so when will you come again and bring the final judgment? So, Jesus uh, 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 kind of goes on to warn them about what is to come. He, he tells them uh, in the, later on in the Scripture in 24 to not let anyone deceive them, for, for many will come to be him, pretend to be Jesus, but they are not. Don't be deceived. He says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be fam- famines and earthquakes in various places. Sounds a lot like what we've experienced in the last few years, doesn't it? And yet it's, ex- it's what's been experienced ever since the time of Jesus and even the time before Jesus. This, this is not unusual. So, it, you know, these kind of things go on along. So it's going to be even more than that. Uh, as Jesus says, that's not the end. Those are the beginnings of the birth pains. So continuing in Matthew 24, Jesus tells them that they will be handed over to be put to death and they will be hated. His disciples will be hated because of Jesus. Many will turn from faith and there will be many false prophets. We've seen that as well, haven't we? But here's the word for us. Those who stand firm till the end will be saved. Those who stand firm to the end will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. He goes on to say that at the time, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. And then he points out, and this is the key here. He points out that no one, no one knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels, not even the Son, Jesus himself. Only God the Father knows the day and the time. Does, does, does May 21st of this year ring a bell with anybody? Isn't it funny how almost across the board, the last service, same way, everybody, May 21st, because that was the day, right? That was Judgment Day. Didn't do a very good job. We're all still here, huh? Because no one, no one knows the day or the hour. Later on in chapter 24, Jesus kind of repeats this in verse 42. He tells the disciples to keep watch because you do not know what, on what day your Lord will come. I would suspect that most all of us in this room have wondered when that day will be. You know, just pondering that, you know, and, and listening to all the end time talk that 
that is around, well, the disciples wondered as well. And um, that's why they asked, you know, when? What will it look like? And the response that Jesus gives them comes in the form of this parable. This, this story that really leads to a truth. And that's how Matthew 25, we've gone from 24 to 25. That's how Matthew 25 comes out as Jesus shares the parable of the ten virgins. Jesus, here we go with the parable. Jesus then is the bridegroom. And when he will come, or in our case, come again, no one knows. Only God the Father. It could be a long time, or it could be in the middle of while I'm speaking. We don't know. And even though we're told in chapter 24 to watch, that really isn't the crucial part, right, in this story, in the message that Jesus gives us since both the wise and the foolish in this parable fall asleep. What is crucial is what Jesus tells the disciples in verse 44 of chapter 24. Say it with me. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. That's what happened in the parable, right? came the night when he wasn't expected, the groom. And that mirrors real life. And that is Palestinian town wedding, just like the parable, and just like what Jesus says in the scripture. The groom comes at the most unexpected time, often in the middle of the night, just when everyone, both the wise and the foolish, in the case of the story, were napping. They were napping. And so what separated them in this story, because they all fell asleep, what really separated them is that some were ready and some were not. It seems kind of harsh that when some said, you know, give me some of your oil, I'm running out. And they said, no, nope, go to the store and buy it. And then what happened is when they left, they missed out. They missed it. They weren't there when the time came. They missed the party, didn't they? Nobody wants to miss the party. So what's it mean for us to be ready? To be ready. Because we're not talking just end time here because we're talking, you know, our personal end time on earth may not be the big end time, although it may, but we got to be ready for that too, don't we? Whichever end time we're talking about, we got to be ready. But what does that mean? In a lot of Bible commentaries, some of the commentaries we looked at in reference to this, um, some suggested that having sufficient oil, that's what we mean being ready, having sufficient oil uh, might stand for good works, for, for doing the things that Christ would have us do, for, for, here you go, letting our light shine so that people will see those good works and glorify God in heaven. That's what Jesus told us in Matthew 5. To, to, to let our light shine so people will see the good works that we do so that that will glorify God. Maybe that's what having sufficient oil means and being ready means. And when we say good works, we, we know that the works don't save us, but the works come out of our faith in Christ. And so that's 
another symbolism of this whale. I mean, we're, we could go a lot of places, but we're trying to stay focused here on, on Matthew 25. The oil could mean having faith, remaining faithful as long as it takes. It is so easy to be faithful in the good times, isn't it? It's hard to be faithful at times when life is challenging and life throws us a curveball, and that happens to every single one of us in this room. Can we continue to walk it out in faith, allowing Jesus to lead us and to fill us and to guide us and give us peace in all circumstances? Bible scholar Douglas R. A. Hare, in his writing in, in the Interpretation Bible Commentary, he says that perhaps it all represents a combination of all that Christ calls us to. Which would include shining our light to illuminate God's glory, keeping the faith as long as it you know, takes, however long that is, repenting, walking in a new direction, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves, even, even when our neighbor turns out to be our enemy. Not to mention forgiving others as we've been forgiven. But ultimately, being ready means having claimed Christ as our Lord and Savior. Knowing that, that we are all sinners, as Scripture tells us, and, and we are all uh, doomed to death because sin equals death. And that we can't save ourselves, although we're in need of a Savior, and so that the only one who can save us is the Son of God who died and was risen and continues to sit at the right hand of God the Father, Jesus the Christ. And not just to claim him, but to claim and hold faithfully to that claim. Amen? Amen. And so that being ready is that claim on Christ on our life, but holding firmly to that claim, not just in our minds and with our lips, giving lip service to it, but in our actions and in all that we do. I think one of the very troublesome pieces of this scripture is when um, the bridesmaids came up and the door was shut and they couldn't get in. Boy, that's tough. Wow. But here's what that means. Because God desires for each and every one of us to be with God in heaven. I mean, that's God's desire. But we have a choice. We have free will to choose to accept that relationship or not. And that's where we're going with this. I can't save you. I can't pour salvation into you. I can share the good news. I can share truth. We can do that with each other. But it is an individual decision to claim Jesus. With our children, you know, we can't say believe, believe, believe. We can teach them. But there comes a point when they have to say yes. And that is true for each one of us. And so we're encouraged to be the light and to share the good news and to help one another in that journey. But our salvation comes from Jesus Christ alone. Hmm. Yeah, when, when they went out and, and the ones who didn't have oil said to their friends, can you give us some oil? And they said, no. Seemed kind of selfish, didn't it? But the point is, we can't, I can't give you my oil. In other words, I can't give you my salvation, as Carrie just said. 
I can tell you where to get it. I can tell you where to get the oil. I can tell you how, who Jesus is and what you need to do, but I can't re- have a relationship with Jesus on your behalf. There's no proxy statement here. But I can tell you where to get the oil. And it's really important to get that oil. It's really important to be ready. It's important to be able to have your lamp lit. It's be able to get in the door before it's shut. Because the truth is, Jesus is coming. He's here. <laughs> That's one of the, the interesting things of the faith. He's here, and yet he's still coming. And there will be a final judgment. I don't know if we like to think about that, but whether we like to think about it or not, that doesn't keep it from happening. There will be a final judgment, and we will be held accountable. And the only way we can come out on the plus side of that accounting is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way, because he's paid the price in that, in that accounting, and that final judgment, and it could be any minute. As Carrie said, it could be by the next word here. It wasn't. That could be by the next word now. It could be any time. It could be thousands of years from now. We don't know. Nobody knows, not the angels, not the Son, only the Father. Only God the Father knows the day and the hour. And as it says, though, it'll come most likely when we least expect it. Maybe even in the middle of the night. And the question is, will you be there when the bridegroom comes? Will you be ready? Do you have oil in your lamp? Are you ready or not? Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this time. Please help us to be ready. Please help us to know Christ, to stay faithful, and to uh, follow his teachings, and to hear your word. In his name and in your Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.